0: Hey friends, it's Rich Birch here. This week's episode is brought to you by my good friends over at Portable Church Industries. I love, love, love these guys. And I literally was just talking to Pete, the owner of PCI, about a week ago. Uh, these This sponsor, as I'm super familiar with, and I've worked with them for to partner with over a dozen campus launches. Plus, I'm super quick to refer to churches like you who are looking to do either multi-site or church planting, that sort of thing. My friends over at Portable Church Industries sell entire audio, video, lighting, kids, community storage systems to help churches who are wanting to meet in rented venues. Uh, They can truly provide a a crafted solution that looks at exactly what it is that you need, that increases guest engagement, volunteer retention, and a system that's easy for you to launch multiple locations, uh, you know, quickly. And I really want you to be thinking about launching new locations as we look into 2021. And so what I want you to do is to call them today, portablechurch.com, tell them that Rich Birch sent you or tell them Unseminary sent you. Uh, Or you can go over to our partner page at portablechurch.com forward slash Unseminary to learn more and to find resources uh, tailored to portable church campuses, multi-site campuses particularly. So portablechurch.com forward slash Unseminary. All right, let's jump in with today's episode. Let's go. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you are listening in. You know, every week we uh, bring you a different leader from a different context uh, to hopefully both inspire you and inform you. Uh, today is going to be no exception. Super excited to have Mark Job with us. He is the senior pastor of New Life Community Church, as well as the president of Moody Bible Institute. Fantastic. Mark's actually a returning guest, and for long-time listeners, we're 500 and some odd episodes in, and we, you know that we don't have many returning guests uh, and Mark's one of the when I when Mark reached out, his team reached out. I was like, absolutely, because I just respect this uh, this leader deeply. New Life, if you don't know, they're a fantastic church in the Chicagoland area. Twenty eight different locations, I believe. If I'm counting, I don't, I lost, I don't have enough fingers on my hands. Forty three different worship services, uh, and nine congregations internationally. There's also some great stuff that New Life's doing around, uh, you know, feeding the poor and doing all kinds of amazing things that we're going to get into today. Uh, Mark, welcome back to the podcast. So glad you're here.
2: Rich, I feel like I'm in a special category of the reinvited. Wow, I didn't know that yet. So that's great. Yeah,
0: very few. Like there's less than, like there's probably six or seven that have been on more than once. So now uh, I feel so honored. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, it's honors all ours. I appreciate it. It could be that no one wants to come back. That could be the real reason. So, uh, Mark, why don't we start with uh, you telling us a little bit about New Life, kind of get for the folks that don't, you know, weren't uh, aware, kind of tell us a little bit about that story. Give, put us, give us some context, uh, help us understand kind of where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. So I started uh, pastoring at New Life. New Life was
2: a small congregation, of about 18 people. I was 21 years old. And this uh, started pastoring in the southwest side of Chicago, which was a, it was and is a pretty tough little neighborhood, mm. and uh, have been there for the last thirty years. Came from a missionary background, so did not expect to stay. Mm. But through a series of sort of God encounters, ended up staying. And um, the church now, as you mentioned, has grown to We minister to about 7000 people scattered throughout 28 locations Mm -hmm. with uh, 43, 44 worship services. About 10 of those are in Spanish. One is in Mandarin. The rest are in English. We function as one church distributed. We're mainly in the city, but we do some Collar County suburbs as well. And uh, we are primarily, uh, I would say, probably 60, 70 percent non-white as we gather. So very multi-ethnic. Uh, most of the people that attend the church are first generation believers. So the great majority we have led to Christ and discipled in the city of Chicago. Mm. And um, it's been a it's been a fun season to be a church in the heart of Chicago at this time.
0: Yes, well, that uh, that really brings us to the context of today's conversation. I appreciate you saying it's been a fun season. You know, as Chicago is a great city, I just love. I've never lived there, but spent a lot of time there with you know just different churches and leaders, and I just love Chicago. But uh, as an outsider, I don't know how to say this delicately, but it seems like it's been a tough year in Chicago, and so (laughs) I, I wanted to get kind of your perspective on Chicago, kind of as a leader in the city, obviously both at the church and at the school, you have a really unique position on kind of what's happened this year. What What's the story that God seems to be writing? Why don't you kind of give us a, a bit of the context of what, what's been going on in Chicago this year?
2: Well, not unique to Chicago because the entire nation, I think, has been in this same vortex that we're in. Mm-hmm. But I think in cities like Chicago and New York, it's probably more intense and escalated Mm -hmm. So, you know, nine, nine, ten months ago, we had uh, the global pandemic that everybody had to sort of readjust to life in a new normal. And that sent everybody scurrying. And then the recession that left 40 million Americans applying for unemployment, the social unrest that was very evident in Chicago, the racial tensions Mm -hmm. that erupted all over our city. And um, the polarizing uh, election that we've just been through, all of that has created a very intense, um, especially in the city, we've had the most violent uh, summer that we've had in a long time in terms of homicides, in terms of just crime, Um, and um, people have seen uh, news footage of downtown Chicago, so both as uh, the pastor of New Life and president of Moody Bible Institute, which is right in the city of Chicago, yeah, it's a,
0: it's as Chicago. Apartment. When I think of Chicago, I think of Moody. It's like it's <laughs> Chicago, you know. Yeah. So
2: think about this, Rich. The the last time we had a just an outbreak on Michigan Avenue, which is the main commercial street, this was the end of August. That weekend, students were arriving to Moody.
0: Oh, gosh. Oh, my the, the, goodness.
2: The new students were just arriving. So I just imagine some parents from Iowa staying at downtown, waking up, and there's literally looting happening on our main street, windows broken, clashes with oh, police, and you're dropping off your 18-year-old daughter in the heart of the city. So you had to do it with a lot of faith. But you know what, Rich, we have seen in the midst of it, we have seen some incredible opportunities to mid and minister to a hurting, hurting city.
0: Um, yeah, and that's that's really where we want to take our time to focus because I've heard of a few of the things that kind of been going on, and I I want to uh, hopefully encourage uh, folks that are listening in and maybe inspire them to think about hey, like what could our church be doing? Um, what what how has New Life? Um, responded? What what does that look like this year? Uh, you know, what are some of the things that, you know, it's kind of been the hallmarks of the response of the church this year?
2: So when the pandemic broke out, I felt like I was drawn in a very strong way to the story of Joseph. God gives Joseph a dream. He's probably about 17 years old, but he doesn't know how to handle that dream. He shares it and it in in preparation to fulfill that dream, God leads him to crisis and he ends up being sold as a slave. He's in Potiphar's house, ends up in prison. So for a period of time, that dream seems to vanish because he's in crisis. But really what God was doing was preparing him in the midst of crisis to be able to fulfill that dream. Mm -hmm. And, and I believe that it's somewhat what God has been doing, um, that's our perspective as a church and ministry. What God has been doing with us. Um, when in Chicago, it was very strict uh, the the rules concerning gatherings and so forth. So we, like uh, most of the nation, we had to go online. So we went online. We closed our our locations all across the city. Went online, and um, but but we saw that there was a lot of people that were unemployed, a lot of people that were hurting. And so we we started to ask ourselves, hey, how can we as a church be active outside of the four walls besides online services and some of the ministry that we had? And so um, we, my son, who's 26 and the lead pastor and one of our other pastors who heads up a a non-for-profit that we started, Uh, came together and said, "You know, the big need seems to be people are uh, food deprived. There's a lot of people without jobs, especially in some of our Mexican immigrant communities. And so uh, we we devised and said, hey, what if we help people out? And so seven of our locations connected miraculously really to a organization that's not a Christian organization, but provides food. And we started Distributing food, Mm. and I tell you, Rich, at the height of this, we were distributing food to twenty-five to thirty thousand people a week, which is one percent of the city of Chicago. That's amazing. And I remember being on a Saturday with one hundred and seventy volunteers and eight hundred cars coming through, and a line of people uh, waiting to pick up their vegetables and food. And I thought to myself, I was in the parking lot on a Saturday thinking our sanctuary will be closed tomorrow. Hmm. And typically at that location, we had about 1,700 people that would show up on Sunday in person to service. Yet on that Saturday, we were serving 4,000 people. So I thought, isn't this amazing that in the midst of COVID, Through our facility, our parking lot, we're actually serving double the number of people that we would be ministering to on a Sunday morning. And the great majority of those people, Rich, are unchurched, didn't even know we were a church, had never been to church. We had teams going up and down the the line and just asking, how are you doing uh, physically? How are you doing emotionally and spiritually? And I'll never forget uh, just the, the faces of people. One one man just started bawling. He's in his car. I have my mask on, just asking him this. And he just told me how his daughter had, uh, had attempted suicide, how his wife was depressed, how he had been laid off from his job and just tears streaming down his face saying, I don't know if I'm going to make it and just praying for him. So many stories like that um, an incredible opportunity to respond to the gospel. and so we're still doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's given us inroads to uh, the the governor uh, of the state of Illinois came down came out and visited one of our locations doing this. The mayor has been out. S- uh, top city officials have applauded what we're doing, have come out to visit and see what we're doing. Uh, Secular organizations have come alongside. We got a a, a building donated to us to store food. So it's been an incredible time in the midst of a very difficult time. We've also seen some great opportunities to Mm -hmm. minister to people that are hurting.
0: Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I'd love to, um, so there's a lot there I'd love to kind of uh, pull apart. Um, When, you know, so early on, I love this, you know, this picture of like, your team gathering together, and they identified like, hey, here's a need. Um, And then they ended up, you know, kind of picking or settling on the food issue. Um, And then they, you know, decided to partner, give us, give me a sense of, Um, how that partnership just is going and how you, so I think I want to encourage leaders is I think sometimes we think we've got to do this all ourselves. (laughs) And I've seen this time and again with churches across the country in this season. They're finding strong partnerships with other organizations and uh, together saying, Hey, we we can really, we can do more good if we work together rather than do our own separate things. So how kind of how has that partnership gone? What would be some, you know, kind of lessons you've learned from that or the church has learned uh, from that in that, you know, that process?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Rich. Let me unpack it for a moment. So we had a defining moment at the front end of of COVID where our lead pastors gathered together in in a planning room. And, um, you know, I've been pastoring for a long time, so I've seen crisis come and crisis go. Mm -hmm. I've pastored through 9-11. I pastored through the economic crisis of 2008, pastored through and so we're in this room gathered together and I drew a peak like a mountain peak and the other, uh, and I, I said, we're in, entering into COVID right now. It's going to get a lot worse over the next months. And I drew a line to the peak. I said, there is a window of opportunity where people will be hurting. There's anxiety. I've been through these crises before. Once it plateaus, people will get back to life as normal but I think there's a season which people are will be much more open to spiritual things because their life will be shaken. So we need to figure out how can we touch them uh, in a way that does not involve our Sunday morning regular service. Mm. And our team was great. They jumped into action. Um, one of our pastors, we, we started as an extension of the church, something that we call New Life Centers. Mm -hmm. New Life Centers is uh, designed to to really help at-risk youth in the city of Chicago. And and over the last 10 years, it's grown from five people on staff to now as close to 60 people on staff. Mm -hmm. And just amazing, amazing. So Matt DiMatteo, who's the pastor there and on our team, has already uh he 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 says if you're not at the table you don't have a voice so we're oftentimes the only christian organization at a table with all secular agencies um but he's developed a lot of great relationships because we're working in the space of how do we curb violence how do we mentor uh youth we're first responders when someone is shot on the uh, on the street our team goes out there we follow up go to the hospital have after school programs, so we're already in that space. Yeah. So when the food thing came up, we said, "Okay, well, let's take up." We were already doing some food distribution. Trader Joe's was giving us some food, but we thought, "Hey, the the need is great." So we said, "Well, let's take up an offering in the churches." So we took up an offering. We collected about seventy thousand dollars taking up offering. We thought that's great, but you know what? In light of the need, it was nothing. Right. And so. Um. The uh, my son Josiah who's 26. Matt got together and they said, you know what? We need we need a partnership. And so they approached, but they already had a relationship with. They approached Greater uh, Food Depository, mm-hmm. who said, "Let's work with you." they started out slow, but they realized that what we have is we have this massive amount of volunteers. They had food, but they didn't know how to get it to the people. We had volunteers and literally because of our partnership, they have re—they have changed the whole way they distribute food, their whole approach to distribution of food in the city of Chicago because of the partnership. We had Dyson food come out and visit us. And they heard, they said, we heard that you guys are one of the better distribution centers. And so they came out and gave us 40,000 pounds of chicken um, right. distributed as well. So most of the partnership that we had was with secular organizations that want to make a difference in the community. We're doing it from a place of faith, but working with these organizations and working with these city officials. To make a difference in the city of Chicago,
0: yeah I, well, I love that there 's so much about that I love um, you, you know what I remember um, when I was in New Jersey, serving there, uh, hurricane or superstorm sandy went through, and um, you know we had the privilege, the honor of um, mobilizing about twenty five hundred people on Thanksgiving weekend uh, after this is after the storm went through to do what we call the Sandy Thanksgiving, and it was the same kind of thing. It was massive food distribution on on Thanksgiving on the Thursday um, and actually the whole weekend. But and I, the thing I want to point out for listeners is the wisdom of you saying, you know, you've been through a crisis before. Um, There will be, and we're still in many ways still living through one now, but more crisis will come. I love the posturing of, hey, this is an opportunity for our church to help. Let's not recoil. You know, I've seen too many churches in this season pull back, step back. Yes. Um, and, you know, I the thing I want to encourage our listeners is that, you know, when when crisis comes, whether it's a national crisis or just something in your town, uh, you know, our orientation as leaders should be, hey, how can we help? What can we do? Let's talk about, it. you've mentioned it a couple of times. Uh, there may be listeners who might be a little bit like wondering, oh, like you're partnering with... Um, you know, maybe you should have found a, a Christian chicken organization rather than Tyson. Um, you know, they're they're wondering how do you you know, how do you do that? How does that fit together? I know from my perspective, I love that. I would say, hey, let's get on the same page. They think it's a good thing, we think it's a god thing. We're not gonna argue over, you know, the the kind of language there, but but would love to find ways to help. How have you wrestled that through as a leader? Um, you know, the partnering or, 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 or have you had any pushback from people? Maybe it's not even an issue uh, for your own people. Love to hear kind of your thoughts thoughts on that.
2: And we, we've been doing partnering for quite some time. Like for example, at our Midway location, we've had a school, a, a public school, basically meeting in our building over the last seven years. And we're very clear about it. We do this because we love Jesus. But our circles intersect. If you're, a, if you're an organization that wants to make this a better community, then what we have in common is the good of our community. Even if you don't share our theology, we mm-hmm. have in common the good of our community. Yes. And I, I believe that our main priority as the church is to make disciples. But I also believe that we are to bring the culture of the kingdom to the places in which we live, Righteousness, peace, and joy, and so um, even secular organizations understand the power of helping our community out. And so we we had been in that space for quite some time, and um, um, so when we went to when we went to partner, I think that they value we're up front about our faith. We always have been, mm-hmm. even our mentoring. Uh, Our mentoring program is is mainly funded through secular organizations. But our paragraph, our incorporation paragraph says to share the love of Jesus by. And we've Mm -hmm. seen so many people come to Christ and get baptized. And uh, we try to respect our partnership and our parameters, but we are clear about our faith. And so Mm -hmm. um, I don't have any problem with rolling up my sleeves and, you know, someone was in a car crash and uh, there was someone in the midst of a fire about to die and someone comes up and, uh, you know, is a Muslim. And uh, I'm not going to ask him, hey, I'm not sure I can help you get this person out of the car. I'm going to say, hey, so <laughs> yes. let's get this person out of the car. We may not agree in our theology, but we can help rescue a
0: person that's burning. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I love that. Yeah. And I, I love the, um, you know, just the posture of, Hey, how, how can we help? What can we do while at this? I, I think sometimes we think there's a false dichotomy there. You can't have that and also be a church that's cause new life is committed to the proclamation of the message of Jesus is, you know, Bible believing, obviously church. And those two things are not, um, you know, diametrically opposed. I love, I love how new life, um, you know, has, has been able to balance that out. Well, what about from the school perspective? Like there's, you know, you kind of wear these two hats, uh, <laughs> what's it been like uh, that's a vivid picture of like you say that that first year freshman showing up while there's riots in the streets um you know how how's the school been impacted what kind of on that side what does that look like uh you know this year particularly how's that been for your leadership
2: well it's ironic that i'm on unseminary and now i over the <laughs> seminary <laughs> yes <laughs> true true <laughs> love it so it's been an amazing rise ride and um Obviously, this has been a challenging time for uh, all organizations, but higher education, it's been challenging because we had to pivot to go online uh, the first semester. Now we're doing it in person, but there's a lot of restrictions. This has been our approach. And I've been saying this to our leadership team at Moody, and I've also been saying it to our, our church team crisis and disruption can be an incredible gift to accelerate needed change mm-hmm. if we embrace it that way. So so mm-hmm. crisis and disruption can be a gift to accelerate needed change if we embrace it that way. Mm. And uh, for example, we've been wanting to get all of our classes in a virtual, uh, form for a long time. But it was slow. It was hard. There was some resistance. Guess what? In three weeks, all of our classes at Moody went virtually online. The the crisis forced us to accelerate our change. And this past semester, for example, we had 140 people joining us in live classrooms with a teacher via Zoom, full-time students, but studying you know, some of them in other countries, some of them in different states. We have never done that before. We've had online courses, but never in online. class, virtual classrooms with full time people online. Think about that great core yeah, of opportunity. Yeah. And so we we have been looking at it that way. God, in the midst of this shake up, uh, what are the lessons that you're teaching us, and what are you accelerating that needed probably to change? And um, so, in the midst of the shakeup, it's not easy. But we see those opportunities that God is providing. So it, it's actually been an incredible uh, tough because we did really well with low COVID numbers until recently. But as it spikes around the nation, then we've had to uh, move for our last week before our break. We've had to move online.
0: Mm, oh, that's too bad. Yeah, it's been. Uh... Yeah, it's quite the it's been quite the season, that's for sure. Now, you've actually written a book recently uh, that's called What Now? How to Move into Your Next Season. That does feel very uh, – it's a fantastic resource. It does feel um, very timely in 2020. Uh, tell us a bit about this book and how does it kind of uh, fit into the conversation we've been talking about today?
2: Yeah, well, I wrote this book in the middle of this uh, pandemic because what I was noticing – is that there were a lot of people making decisions in the midst of this disruption. And some of them, it felt like, were making really fast decisions. Mm-hmm. Like a number of people I talked to moved to different states. Some people um, moved their location where they were living, some people switched jobs. Uh, made major decisions. I had one lady that told me in the midst of the pandemic, hey, I'm leaving my husband. And I said, whoa, 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 Mm -hmm. slow down. We're Mm -hmm. in the middle of a crisis. You need to slow down. And so I felt like a lot of people, because of this disruption, sometimes fear, sometimes time to think, sometimes looking at the future, we're we're, we're making decisions rapidly. And I do believe that sometimes disruption helps us move into our next chapter, but we need to do it in a healthy way.
0: Mm. And
2: so what now, how to move into your next season, I wrote specifically for people that are in the midst of transition, whether that's a a job, a ministry, a a life setting, but are in the middle of going to another chapter and how to process this in a healthy, God-centered spiritual way.
0: Yeah, it struck me by well, first of all, it's a it's a very um it's a very readable book, super accessible. It's the kind of thing you could give to someone, um, you know, I can imagine there'd be leaders. It's the kind of book I could, you know, picture, you know, get 10 copies of it and have it in your office and you'll find yourself in a conversation and say, hey, you know, I'm going to have, you know, Mark Jobs book. I think you would really like this. And, and people aren't going to be intimidated by it. They're going to be able to take it and actually use it. Um, you know, it's the kind of thing you can read in, in an evening, which I, th- I think is is great, particularly when you think of the kind of person it's targeted at. People that are in the midst of transition, people don't have tons of time. Because they're in the midst of whatever transition is there. So I love the form factor of it, I think is, is just bang on for the content. Um, but when you, you know, as you were kind of piecing this book together, the the chapters are you, you know, you can't stay where you are, quiet your soul to listen, re envision your life story, adjust your thinking. Uh, invite others to your journey and take the first bold step. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about quiet your soul to listen in the midst of so much change. How do we coach people to slow down? Cause that actually that experience uh, that you mentioned about, you know, that, that, um, woman who was thinking about leaving her husband, we had that happen with friends of ours. Their marriage fell apart through this whole thing. And, um, and it was accelerated for sure by this, and you know I wouldn't have predicted this time last year. And you know my wife in, in 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 kind of counseling or with, um, you know the with the the wife was saying the same thing. Why are you moving so fast? You don't, you know, just slow down. So what 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 did, what kind of advice coaching are you giving people around quieting their souls to listen in the midst of, uh, you know whatever transition they may find themselves.
2: Yeah. This is the kind of book my wife likes. It's 90 pages, so it's a quick, fast read. She doesn't like <laughs> yes. those big, long, thick books. So she told me,
0: hey, I like this size. <laughs> Write more of these and she might read them all. Exactly. So, As an author, I can say that. I don't know that my wife has read my books either. I think that's, you know, a good thing. So I focus
2: on five steps, but really the first one is quiet your soul to listen. And I have to say this, that has been incredibly hard to do. Mm because there's so much noise. And when I say noise, I mean, there's so much media noise and, and political noise and fear noise. And I don't know about you, but I feel like it's been harder, even though I've done a lot of my work remotely and I'm at my house, I feel like it's been harder to quiet down. Mm. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I believe it's in the quiet spaces, Um, that God speaks. I'm convinced that God through his Holy Spirit is always speaking to us. But I think that oftentimes we're not listening. Mm -hmm. And so I think there has to be, before you go into a a next chapter, there has to be this quieting of our soul to listen to the voice of God, to ask ourselves, God, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Uh, What is the season I'm, I'm in? is this of you? Is this not of you? Um, There are some reflective questions and I go into a little bit in the chapter. There's some reflective time that we, I think before just automatically assuming that it's time to go into the next chapter, I think there's some quiet time to reflect and and ask some of those questions. It's it's a little bit like Elijah when he went into the cave. Um, He was discouraged and, you know, his expectations were blown and he he didn't think life was going to turn out that way. And, uh, you remember the story of all the, the fire and the earthquake, but it was the still small voice Mm -hmm. that took him to the entrance of the cave. And he had to listen to that still small voice. And in that, that was the voice of God, not in the hurricane, not in the fire, not in the earthquake. It was in the whisper, the still small voice. And so that's the first step uh, before jumping into a decision, quieting our soul long enough, and I go into how to do that more specifically in the book
0: mm-hmm. very good. well, like I say, listeners, I would encourage you to pick up a copy uh you know of this or or go ahead and order a bunch of them because I do think that the, it's a great resource to have on on hand. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping that 2021, uh, we slow down the pace of change, but maybe not, right? Maybe there's, you know, there have been, like you said, some real positive things that have happened and some real positive transitions that in the midst of everything, um, you know, that have happened this year. And so uh, this book, I think, could be really helpful for people. If people want to pick up a copy of this, where where do we want to send them to to grab that?
2: Well, they could always go to Moody Publishing, which is they can go directly there. But on any platform, Amazon, it's pretty much just Google what now, how to move into your next season, and you'll see a lot of different ways to purchase it.
0: Perfect. I would uh, I would encourage people to do that. Well, Mark, I I really appreciate you being on the show. You know, cheering for you, cheering for Moody and for New Life and for just you know all the things that God's doing through your uh, your ministry. If people want to track along with you or stay connected with you, how where do we want to send them to, uh, to 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 stay connected?
2: Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm on Instagram at Mark Job Chicago. They could uh, track a little bit there. I have a. A website, Pastor Mark Jobe, at um, uh, dot com, and um, uh, both Moody. I live in two worlds. Uh, I live in the Moody world, and uh, just a phenomenal place with great people and a great place to study. By the way, uh, mm-hmm. if anybody's looking to uh, to embrace a calling and a mission, mm-hmm. and um, then newlifechicago.org org, they can track what we're doing um, in the church world. And so there's various places they can follow along with what, what, what we're doing.
0: Well, I appreciate that, sir. Thanks for, for being on the show today and all your, all the best for the rest of the year. Thank
2: you, Rich. God
1: bless.